0: This is a Virgin Media Originals podcast
1: series. Hello, you're very welcome to The Tonight Show. Taoiseach Micheál Martin offered fresh hope in the battle against COVID-19 as the Cabinet agrees to begin relaxing COVID-19 restrictions from April 12th.
2: A lot has been asked of everyone. We have lived under very strict Level 5 restrictions now since Christmas. It has been and continues to be exceptionally difficult.
1: Minister for Public Expenditure and Reform will join us live in studio to discuss the next phase of Ireland's fight against COVID-19 but not everyone is happy ASDI President Anne Piggott tells us why, plus political reaction from Social Democrats T.D. Jennifer Whitmore into T.D. Padre Tobin and journalist Alison O'Connor and later easing of restrictions on sport Dublin footballer Philly McMahon and broadcaster Mary Trous Nikali joins us to share their insights into the plan do get in touch on twitter or hashtag tonight vmtv First tonight, Virgin Media political correspondent Gavin Riley joins us live from Government Buildings. Gavin, lovely to speak to you Uh, as always. A pretty cautious approach, I think it's fair to say, to the loosening of these Level 5 restrictions. We know what's going to happen in April, but after that, it's still quite vague, isn't it?
3: That's where it gets a little bit open-ended, Kira. It's probably around 11 months to the day since I sat on this very spot of this very street, on this very programme at this very time, talking about the government's five-phase roadmap for the reopening of society for summer 2020. And we all know that we never got to phase four or five. It wasn't as if we got to August the 10th last summer and all of the restrictions were suddenly binned. But there's almost a similar approach this time around where the government is trying to outline phases for how they see summer going, but they're not being very specific about the timelines for that. And nor are they being very prescriptive about what measures will be included so for example today we knew that the announcements were going to feature largely around the five kilometer exercise limit outdoor gatherings and activities and the construction sector and that's what we got we've already been told that the next ones will include non-essential retail what's left of the construction sector and other areas like for example salons or hairdressers personal services like that anything else they talk about for example inter-county travel or hospitality is all getting pushed a little bit further along so we know that they're going to be discussed at the the end of April for June but we have no idea whether they'll be delivered or not
1: and the plan it appears this reopening plan however vague very much was hinging on the success of the vaccine rollout but a bit of controversy uh, this evening because they're now changing the strategy about who gets the vaccine and when it's going to be age-based not everybody's happy
3: Yep, that's right. And it is a very big revision to the whole project and it wasn't something which was very heavily flagged in advance. This seemed to come as something of a bolt from the blue when First World first first emerged about this um, this evening. Effectively taking the existing cohorts 10 through 15 of the old vaccine sequence and merging them all. And that means that people who worked in essential trades, those who were still able and expected to go to work last April and May when the pandemic was at its worst, who were previously a standalone category, will now not be prioritised for the vaccine. Educators who are cohort 11 all by themselves they were told that they'd be somewhere inside the first third of people to get the vaccine they're now being removed now the government says that this will make the whole thing simpler that they're they're learning from the current experiences where for example that there's no database for who has an underlying condition trying to compile a database ends up taking time away from the vaccination process but that doesn't necessarily hold when you get to areas like teaching for example because it's very easy to identify teachers they're the ones that are in schools or who enrolled in the teaching council but nonetheless the government says that this will Make the whole thing more efficient how exactly the industrial unions respond remains to be seen
1: uh, we're actually going to be speaking to one of those industrial unions at the sdi a little later in the program um, it was clear from listening to neffa today that we really are at a bit of a tipping point here that a fourth wave isn't guaranteed but we're certainly susceptible to one do we have any sense as to what degree the government deviated from neffa's advice at this point
3: well, we do know specifically that the areas, that they, the moves they took today on construction went far beyond what Neffet had uh, tried to sanction. Roland Glynn was asked about this at the press conference earlier and he said that, broadly speaking, what the government had signed off on today was very much in line with Neffet's attitudes, but that Neffet wasn't really wild about any uh, relaxation of the current restrictions on construction. Now, Roland Glynn did also say that what was sanctioned today would probably mean about 15,000 workers returning to building sites. It was thought that around 35,000 had already been cleared for returning to work anyway, and they don't think that that's making too much of a dent on that. So certainly they're not diverging too much from what Neff had suggested, but when you say go back to the vaccine question, they're certainly putting all of their eggs into the vaccination basket. And people might wonder whether it is wise for the government to be so reliant on vaccines, given that we have such a history of being let down by certain suppliers, most notably AstraZeneca. The Taoiseach says, though, we can still expect to have 1 million doses issued per month for the next three months. And he says that by the end of July, 6 million doses will have been issued. Now that means that by the time we're getting to July, you could have almost two million doses issued per month which would be really pushing the limits of the HSE's capacity but if it all comes through then it will have been a job well done. If there is another hiccup in the vaccine rollout then everything else might suddenly reach another screeching halt before we like it.
1: Mm, A big if for sure. Thanks as always for your time Gavin Riley there at Government Buildings now here to discuss the Government's decisions today and the next stages in the reopening roadmap is Minister for Public Expenditure and Reform. uh, Michael McGrath Minister you're very welcome to the programme Thanks, don't completely support the government's decision to loosen the restrictions in the way that they have today, do they?
2: Well, as Gavin said there, uh, when uh, Dr Ronan Glyn was asked about it this evening, he confirmed that uh, our decisions are broadly in line with NEFIT. Uh, they didn't specifically recommend uh, the reopening of residential construction, but we felt that at a time of a housing crisis and given the loss of output uh, and the impact on so many people who are waiting to get into a home, people who are paying a rent and a mortgage, uh, we still have uh, a homelessness crisis. Uh, that that was a risk, uh, which in our view uh, is minimal given that much of the work is outdoor in nature uh, and NEFET didn't raise any significant uh, significant objections at all. But if NEFET had been making the decision today
1: they wouldn't have allowed construction to reopen in the next phase?
2: Well we raised it with them directly yesterday in the course of the long meeting that we had Uh, and I think it's fair to say they were broadly neutral on the issue. They didn't raise any objection when uh, we certainly let it be known the construction was an area we felt where some movement was needed. Uh, The other area and you'll see it when the NEFET letter is published is when it came to outdoor activities, particularly uh, outdoor training um, by young people in relation to sports, uh, Neffet had said that that should only resume at some point in May, uh, an undefined date in May and starting with under 13s. Uh, and we just felt that that was a bridge too far, uh, given that it is outdoor activity, uh, given that you know young people are missing out on all of these sports and, and training and that it can be done quite safely. And So that's why we have uh, brought that forward, uh, albeit only to the 20 sixth of April but at least it's something to look forward to and it allows clubs and organisations now uh, to start planning the, the return of those activities in the weeks ahead. So we did diverge from them on that but that's one we absolutely stand over.
1: Uh, I think while a lot of people I'm sure welcome the loosening of restrictions people will think We've been here before, haven't we, Minister, where we didn't follow Neffet to the letter of their advice and we paid a very, very heavy price after Christmas by being in lockdown for the last three months. Are we taking a risk again?
2: No, we're not. I mean, the... What's uh, different? uh, Well, we we are following the NPHET recommendations uh, in every significant way, and when the letter is is published, uh, you will see that the government position is strongly aligned with the public health advice. And that was confirmed tonight by uh, the acting chief medical officer. So there isn't uh, a divergence of position in relation to the decisions that have been made. Uh, We are absolutely determined that there is no going back that what we are now uh, planning to reopen uh, will remain open. uh, But This is
1: it. This is the final big push. Yeah, it
2: is. It is. Because there is now an agreed way forward uh, because the vaccination programme is now going to ramp up uh, quite dramatically uh, in the weeks ahead. So there can be no going back. uh, When we reopen all of these facilities, when businesses are allowed to reopen, uh, they will remain open. uh, And that is the key focus of government. I mean, Neffet did yesterday uh, set out, as you would expect, them to do uh, their assessment of the current situation with the virus you know in recent days we have been hovering at five to six hundred cases per day Uh, thankfully it it was lower today so April is an important month and that's why we do need to be cautious in April because uh, having experienced the peak that we did in January look how long it has taken us to get back down uh, to an acceptable level or close to an acceptable level and if we allowed April to get out of control then you can see that two three months later and you're into the summer and you're struggling to get it down. So that's why uh, a relatively cautious and measured approach in April, though allowing certain important relaxations including you know, the movement of people and the travel outside of 5k and so on uh, will bring us to a safer place and it will enable us to plan for uh, a very Andrea, significant reopening of the summer.
1: I'm conscious that Ronan Glenn, Dr Ronan Glynn, uh, the Action CMO was speaking this evening outside government buildings and said 4,000 cases in the last week, 63% uh, the incidence rate is 63% and greater than it was before we opened at Christmas they say that we are susceptible to a fourth wave but you don't accept we're taking a risk
2: well uh, of course we're uh, at a vulnerable point in uh, in the management of the virus and that's why uh, the decisions that we we have made have been strongly guided by the public health advice uh, and I think can fairly be described uh, as cautious. The reopening is going to be done uh, in a very measured and a careful way uh, because we want to make sure that we're not locking down again. And we can see what's happening throughout Europe. So many European countries are struggling now with rising virus numbers. They're imposing restrictions, they're extending lockdowns. So we have, you know, at significant cost to so many people and businesses but we have managed to get to a point now where we can make decisions and we can plan our way out of this Uh, we can see the end in sight now and the vaccination program is the solution and next week uh, late next week we will hit uh, one million doses of the vaccines uh, actually administered.
1: I'm wondering how concerned the government are about uh, Easter bank holiday weekend the weather looks lovely we have been in lockdown for three months it's traditionally a time of big family gatherings. How worried are you about that?
2: Well, look, we have placed our trust in people uh, over the last year. And by and large, the overwhelming majority of people, you know, have demonstrated personal responsibility. And of course, in allowing greater freedom, uh, for example, after the 12th of April, the freedom to move anywhere within your county, uh, uh, you know, that's not something that we can abuse. You know, it's so that we can travel further for leisure facilities, for walking in other areas, uh, beaches, and so on. on. Well, we are relying on people, but people, you know, broadly speaking, the overwhelming majority of people, you know have uh, accepted that for the greater good uh, they have been prepared to make huge sacrifices and comply. And listening to Paul Reed yesterday, you know, he strongly made the point to us that the, the three months of this year, which will now end tomorrow, have represented the most difficult quarter uh, for our public health uh, st- people working in our health service he in couldn't... the history of the state and they can't go back there.
1: And he said they cannot possibly even fathom a fourth wave.
2: Yeah, and that's why uh, we are not taking the risk of that happening. Uh, We recognise it is, of course, finely balanced. And that's why the steps we're taking are cautious. um, But there is great hope now with the vaccination programme. In
1: terms of the next phase, um, Minister Catherine Martin has tweeted this evening that galleries and museums, a phase reopening will start from May the 4th onwards. Is that the next point for the public?
2: So in four weeks' time we we will be reviewing the situation again and we have already flagged the areas that we will be examining just as we did a month ago. A month ago we said we'd be looking at the the 5k limit, we said we'd be looking at parts of construction and we'd be looking at outdoor activities and that's exactly what we have done. Uh, So in four weeks' time we will be reviewing uh, the current restrictions and uh, the Taoiseach has clearly signalled the areas that will be examined the further reopening of construction, allowing more sporting activity, For example, those who are 18 and over um, are not going to benefit, unfortunately, from the reopening later in April. Uh, Personal services, hairdressing, barbers, uh, reopening would be important. Uh, And yes, galleries, museums, non-essential retail. Those are the areas where we will be looking. Uh, And then in June, uh, we have flagged that the whole area is making a start in hospitality, hotels, B&Bs, guest houses. And as the vaccination programme uh, continues to expand, it allows us to move back Uh, approaching normality. And on
1: that, uh, the Restaurant Association were out this evening saying, we've no dates, no metric, no plan, no hope. When can restaurants and publicans hope to reopen their businesses?
2: Well, I think we can now see a path forward and we can see uh, the prospect of a summer similar to what we had last year. And is uh, the summer July and
1: August? uh,
2: Well, from engaging with um, the hotel sector in particular, they've emphasised uh, to me and other colleagues in government the absolute imperative of them being fully open in July and August. Uh, we accept that. I think that is a very realistic goal. Uh, so as the Taoiseach signaled in June, for example, uh, hotels, B&Bs, guest houses uh, will certainly be looked at. Uh, there is a, a, an amount of water to pass under the bridge between now and then. We all collectively have a job to do to keep this on track. We've made huge progress. We've managed to fulfill the promises in this review that we made a month ago. And in four weeks time, you know, let's be in a position to at least fulfil the promises we've made for the forthcoming review and, and perhaps go beyond that i mean if if the situation uh, is positive uh, in relation to uh, the situation with the virus then we can possibly go further but we don't want to give those guarantees because we, we know we're talking about livelihoods we're talking about people's jobs their businesses but they as the restaurant association
1: say they need they needed hope this evening and they didn't get any
2: i think there is uh, great uh, grounds for hope there now. Uh, Will that
1: include inter-county travel because that wasn't mentioned really this evening either was
2: it? Uh, It wasn't so we haven't given a a specific date as to when inter-county travel will return but clearly if we want a summer of the nature that we had last year uh, then that will return Uh, but if you look at the trajectory now over the period ahead uh, we will hit one million doses of the vaccines administered uh, by the end of next week Uh, and then over the next two months in April April and May uh, you are looking at two million additional doses uh, of the vaccines will have been administered Uh, and then by early July a total up to that point of five million doses so we're going to very quickly and you're confident about that well it's based on uh, the supply forecast that we have uh, and we did have difficulties for a period of time it has steadied uh, and the situation uh, is now more stable. I was talking to Professor Breen McRae this evening and there is now a degree of certainty uh, about the supply uh, over the immediate period ahead. There is always risk and we can never give guarantees, uh, but we're becoming increasingly confident in the supply of the vaccines. And I think that's a very positive development. Um, I just
1: want to ask you about that um, vaccination rollout because obviously the rollout strategy has now changed and it is going to be age-based when we get to certain And earlier I spoke with ASDA President Anne Piggott about her unhappiness with this decision.
4: Uh, We are really astonished and we are dismayed at this decision. Uh, We would have been number 11 on the list. Suddenly the list stops after nine. Some of our members now will be way down the list, if, if, you know, based on the new circumstances, and they will be one of the last to be vaccinated. It's uh, quite upsetting. We didn't know this was coming. Our members are working in cramped classrooms, 30 students in many classrooms, very difficult to maintain social distancing. And we feel very let down by government tonight.
1: And what does um, the ASDA make of the fact that this hasn't come necessarily from government, this has come from NIAC?
4: Well, we we have written to the minister, uh, we've contacted the minister, we want a meeting as soon as possible and we want the minister to use all her powers to make sure that this changes. Um, it, teachers really need to be considered. The government wants to keep schools open. If we want to achieve that objective... Teachers need to be vaccinated as soon as possible.
1: Minister, I heard uh, Forsa, who represents the SNAs, out this evening saying they feel betrayed. You hear the SDI there saying they're very disappointed. What do you say to those people who find out they're not going to be prioritised in the vaccination schedule anymore?
2: Well, I acknowledge it is a significant change, but if I can just take a moment to explain uh, the rationale behind it. So the National Immunisation Advisory Committee have been examining uh, the prioritisation within uh, the rollout of the vaccination um, programme for a while now. They've been looking at the evidence uh, internationally. They made a recommendation to the Department of Health uh, that once you get to the point where everybody aged uh, 65 and over and everybody with a significant underlying condition Uh, that means that they are at high risk or very high risk of severe disease or an increased risk of mortality from COVID-19. That once all of those groups are vaccinated, that the fastest and the most efficient way of dealing with it beyond that uh, is to do it on an age basis uh, and we're going to get through this very quickly. Even this though
1: you would accept, Minister, it would be quite easy to identify who the SNAs are, who teachers are, who Gardie are in the country. That shouldn't be difficult. Um,
2: that is true in relation to those groups. Uh, I would point out that this is what they're doing in the UK uh, and that is held up as a role model when it comes to the vaccination programme uh, in Great Britain and Northern Ireland. It's a essentially done on an age basis. Uh, And there are many groups that can make a legitimate claim to be prioritised, whether they be carers, uh, guardee, uh, teachers, uh, retail staff, uh, for example, uh, other uh, frontline staff, factory workers, bus drivers, uh, a whole range who can make, I think, a very legitimate claim. But the vaccines are going to be coming at us now so quickly that the most efficient and the fastest way of getting through the whole population uh, is to do it on an age basis. And the consistent health advice is that the single biggest risk factor when it comes to COVID-19 is age. And I think it is only fair uh, that people, for example, who are aged 60 to 64 are the first to be vaccinated once we have everybody older than that done and everybody, even those younger than that, with a significant underlying condition okay. that puts them at greater risk. Want- and when you look at the trajectory and the fact that we have signals that uh, 80% of the adult population uh, will have a first dose uh, by June, you know, we're talking about a v- quite a short period of time here and in our view and in the advice of the experts who have looked at this both NIAC and NEFIT have recommended this approach it's the fastest way of driving on with the vaccination program and getting it done including for all of our frontline staff because we want them protected quickly.
1: Talking about the wider vaccination programme, uh, we heard this evening that the CEO of the VHI is going to step aside while well, there's an investigation there into how and why he um, took up a vaccine that was offered to him at the Beacon Hospital. Do the HSC now, in order to restore confidence in this vaccine rollout, need to go in and audit the Beacon and perhaps other facilities to find out who got the vaccine and were there other people who skipped the sequence?
2: Well, what happened in the case of the Beacon uh, was a disgrace. Uh, it shouldn't have happened. Uh, it was completely unacceptable. And, you know, the most damaging aspect of it is not the 20 individual vaccines, but the damage it does to the confidence in uh, the overall national rollout programme. Uh, and uh, But it's it is... not the
1: only time we've heard of people getting vaccinated outside of the sequence that NIAC has recommended.
2: It's not. It's probably the most egregious example that we have heard uh, and uh, it is being investigated. The Beacon are doing their own investigation and it is a matter for the board of the Beacon to ensure there is accountability for what happened. But do you you not think
1: the HSC could go in now and carry out an audit and that way you might restore public confidence a bit quicker than the Beacon investigating the Beacon?
2: Uh, yeah, and I'm sure that they are uh, open to doing that and perhaps will do that. Um, but we want their resources used now to drive on with the vaccination programme and get it done. And I think the fundamental point is that these vaccines are a precious valuable public resource uh, and they are to be used in line with the agreed guidelines and the guidelines are crystal clear Uh, and if the Beacon uh, knew that they were going to have uh, an unused um, batch left over then it was very clear what they were meant to do with that. Uh, There is a a prioritisation sequence. They were to have a backup list of people. They didn't do all of that. So I I don't blame people for being uh, annoyed. Uh, We're all um, very frustrated that that happened. It cannot happen again. it was completely unacceptable
1: Um, just finally minister are the government going to add i think it was france italy germany and us to the list of countries uh, where people are going to have to pay for mandatory hotel quarantine if they come into ireland
2: so the um the Acting Chief Medical Officer has written to the Minister for Health recommending the addition of uh, certain countries to those already in Category 2 on the list. Under the legislation, he has to consult with uh, the Minister for Foreign Affairs uh, in line with uh, the agreed criteria. Uh, that is ongoing and I think you can, ex- you can expect a very um, quick decision uh, in relation to the recommendation Would the Government uh, have any has concerns
1: about adding some of those countries, particularly the United States?
2: Look, there are always competing factors and considerations, but uh, we will be uh, led primarily by public health advice and the system is now up and running. The infrastructure is there. Uh, the capacity uh, is being um, uh, rolled out. And so uh, the opportunity is there now to extend the number of countries uh, and it will be a decision will be made very quickly in relation to that.
1: All right, we'll leave it there. But Minister Meghan McGrath, well, it's been a long day, so I do appreciate you coming in to us uh, this evening. That's all we have time for uh, coming up after the break. We're going to be hearing from uh, Social Democrats, TDs, uh, Into, and journalist Alison O'Connor to give their reaction to the government's announcement.
0: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer
1: Very welcome back. Well, joining me now to discuss the government roadmap is in through TD, Padre Tobin, journalist Alison O'Connor, and via Skype, Social Democrat TD Jennifer Whitmore, and you're all very welcome to the programme. We're going to start with you, um, Potter. It was clear today when you listened to Neffet, and we heard what Neffet said yesterday, that any reopening needed to be done very safely, very cautiously, very sensibly. Did that happen today?
5: Well, I'm not sure. If, if, if you look at the approach of the last two governments uh, with regards to this, Ireland has had 190 days of lockdown, 190 days of workplace closures. Uh, that's a, a multiple of most of the European countries. Um, and it has done enormous damage uh, with regards uh, society. And I think the reason that's happened is because we got the, the easy stuff wrong. So things like capacity in the health service, protecting the nursing homes, um, you know, the proper rollout of the vaccine, All-Ireland um, cooperation, that hasn't been done properly. And as a result, the government have leaned much further on lockdown. And today's announcement is that the policy hasn't changed. What I was uh, really disappointed about was that there was no talk of Cancer services resuming. So, for example, 480 people got cancer today. 24 people will have died tragically of cancer today, and yet cancer services are not going to return until the end of the year. Um, they even, won't
1: fully return, until the Won't, end of won't
5: the fully year. return till the end of the year. Yeah, and, and even with housing, uh, so far this year, 10,000 houses have not been built. Last year in Dublin alone, 79 people died in homelessness. Um, Focus Ireland say that there's 9,000 people who are currently homeless in the state. Oh. Uh, and yet, you know, we have social houses, houses being built, which is great, but private houses are not being built. But they
1: are going to reopen for construction for private houses in a couple of weeks.
5: In, in, in a couple of weeks. Now, the only thing I will say is that all of this is predicated on the government's rollout of the vaccine and the government have got every single objective with regards rollout of the vaccine wrong so far. So my worry is that there is a possibility that these dates could slide further in the way that the dates already have slid.
1: But given where we're at with the numbers, still, you know, 500 cases plus a day, I know today was an exception, but, you know, overall, given how transmissible this variant is, given that the R numbers between 1 and 1.3, you know, all of the metrics that we're familiar with, a lot of them not looking good at the moment, would you have loosened the restrictions at all?
5: First of all, this is a a real illness. I'm not saying that it doesn't have to be restrictions, but what I'm saying is that the restrictions should be forensic, that the blanket restrictions that we're having at the moment are also damaging other elements of our society that are not being prioritised at the moment. So yes, I would have looked to see, could we start building houses today? I would have thought that uh, cancer services resumed today. You know, there are certain illogical restrictions too, like the, the parks are going to be full this weekend. And yet, you know, if you walk around a park with a golf club, you'll be sent home. Things like that make people second guess the restrictions in the first place. And if, if we can make them more, more logical, they're more likely to be complied with. And one of the reasons why the numbers are starting to go in the wrong direction is because there is a cohort of people who are simply not complying with them at the moment.
1: Uh, Alison, what did you make of the Taoiseach's address to the nation this evening and the detail, or maybe the lack of detail, that was in this reopening plan?
6: I suppose there was nothing in it, Kira, that surprised me hugely. I had known that over the last number of days, that even um, you know the members of the cabinet and of the subcommittee were a bit divided as to how far to go, you know, how much detail to give, and 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 when. But I guess they all knew they had to try and give hope, and that the that phrase that we've been hearing, not to lose the not to lose the dressing room. Personally, I was a bit surprised, I suppose, that I felt a bit more hopeful after it. Even the fact that the Taoiseach was outside um, and it was such a beautiful day in Dublin today. So we just enjoyed the
1: the sunny weather. The press
6: conference, the press conference was outside. But I mean, that's very significant in terms of... um, you know of of where we're at, and that as the weather gets gets better, we will be able to do more outside and 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 see more people outside and Pather has raised some very interesting points there and very valid ones, but you'd also be inclined to say that's pandemics for you, you know, in terms of what you know what can and and cannot be done and I think that what the minister said there earlier, what michael McGrath said uh, he said you know that now. We've learned to our pain that you almost cannot believe that a vaccine is here unless it's been put jabbed into somebody's arm. But that 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 Brian McCrack, having spoken to him earlier, who heads up the our vaccination task force, that it's you know very what the phrase he used was there's a degree of certainty that's there now. And I think that there are so many. There are now four. That should mentioned this in his speech. There are four vaccines there now. The situation has to improve. I know we've had a lot of trouble with AstraZeneca, but even outside of that. So I think I I, I personally, I took great comfort. I have to tell you, as somebody who's originally from outside of Dublin, my inner culture is roaring. I want to get out of here. I want yes. to get back home to Westport. We Card. want inter travel, As quickly as possible. I don't think that's Absolutely. coming, unfortunately, anytime soon. But you know soon.
1: what? I'm feeling happy. Um, I just want to go to Jennifer uh, Whitmer, who's standing by there on Skype. Jennifer, I know the Social Democrats were calling for zero COVID. I think um, your co-leader, Roshan Shorthall, said last month we need to get the figures down to about 10 a day or less before we start reopening. That hasn't happened. So what do you make of today's reopening?
4: No, that absolutely hasn't happened and unfortunately the policies and the moves that the government has taken um, really hasn't managed to suppress the virus to the point where we are going to be able to open up, which is why the government has been so cautious today in their measures. I think there were many, many people who were looking forward today because they were hopeful. They, they really wanted to see significant changes. And we can understand why the government is cautious with it. But I think for many people, they feel they sort of got to a corner and they turned the corner and all they can see is this long road ahead of them again. Uh, um, Jennifer, I'm just wondering, does, do specific... the Social
1: Democrats, uh, sorry to cut across you there, but do you think the public at this point would be willing to keep going with level five restrictions and perhaps further restrictions to get at the case numbers down to 10 or less a day. Do you think the public would be on side for that?
4: I think there is a real risk with these arbitrary dates that the government is coming out with. Uh, you know, that they're saying on, on the 26th this is what's going to happen. Sometime in May this is what's going to happen. I think what people need is to have figures and they need to have targets. And until they know what they're working towards, and um, it's going to be difficult for them to really focus on that. And I think there's, this is also only one element. I mean, the minister said earlier on that we have collectively got a job to do. The public have been doing their job. People have been staying at home. Children have been staying at home and businesses have been closed. And it has taken a huge toll on people. The government have not been doing their part. They have not been playing their part when it comes to this pandemic. They haven't increased the public health doctors. They haven't implemented... a a very serious and robust contact tracing regime. They haven't implemented the the full quarantine um, and and travel restrictions that we require. You know, so so the government needs to absolutely step up and play its part because there's only so much that people can do. And the one thing that really hasn't come across from today's message as well, like I have been contacted by so many businesses that are absolutely at the end of their tether. You know, I have people telling me how difficult it is for them. All and right. they're struggling. Yeah. And they're at that point now where they're okay. about to go under. And there are no measures in place for those businesses and supports being not um, for those businesses.
1: Potter, but a lot of those businesses will have been given a bit of hope today. I mean, we heard hairdressers, barbers in May. We're hearing hotels, B&Bs, guest houses in June. There is some plan for <clears> some <throat> of those businesses that have been shut.
5: Well, I thought it was really significant what uh, the hotel association stated. They said that they had no hope. And uh, and, I, and one of the things that ain't too has been calling for, has been calling for the government to make a clear metric, a, a clear criteria on the number of people that need to be vaccinated, the number of admissions into hospital and the number of ICU uh, uh, admissions. And to say that this is a target, if we get to that target, well, then actually we can start to open up. But so we don't even have that clear criteria. In many ways, the government are treating the people like children because they won't tell us the information. Now, I, I think that the Social Democrats' uh, policy, to be honest, is is incredible. Like the idea that Incredibly
1: good or no, incredibly like, bad?
5: The, the idea that we can get down to 10 cases in this state in, in the next three or four months is, is not going to happen. And the idea that we could stay in a level five lockdown for the next number of months. And, All right, and, and well, final- let me just
1: let Jennifer back in there. Uh, Jennifer, your uh, plan according to Patter, at this point is incredible, incredibly bad.
4: Well, I mean, look at all the, you just look to other countries where they've implemented, and they're the ones that are actually have completely opened up their economy now. And we had our our figures and our numbers down to that level last year. It's about having a plan in place. Okay. It's about having a target. And It's about putting the measures in to make sure we reach all that right. target. I just want to go back but this to this whole thing of rolling lockdowns is not working for anybody, Alison.
6: We'd all have to stop breathing now with the new variants for that to be achievable, basically. Um, It's just it's just not scientifically possible. Um, One of the other interesting things for me today was this idea that people coming into the country, as well as getting a PCR test before they leave, Mm. that they'll have to have one when they arrive. Um, I think that's it's interesting from the science point of view, but I think it's a very political statement by the government because they've been very inept on the handling of quarantine. Um, and just the whole idea of from the start from the form that you have to fill in the, the name of it has gone from my head right at this moment when you're on the plane the uh, passenger locator passenger form. form the very one going from Billy to Jack in terms of which government department nobody willing to take responsibility then the whole issue of who was really in charge of quarantine who was in charge of the people being quarantined was it the guards was it the army the whole thing has been a mess so I think this has been I think they're trying to you know make some reparation for that and I think It will give, this is something that people are very concerned about, and I think it will give some solace to people that we're being more careful.
1: Um, Can I ask you very quickly before we go? Michael McGrath made it clear there that there was some deviation from mm. Neffet's uh, advice. How risky is that for this government, given what happened to Christmas?
6: Well, the only thing I'll say there is I think that I mean, and as a parent of young children, I am just dying for them to get back to their uh, to their GA training and that. And so and so are they. Um, that it's it's far enough away that if the numbers uh, were to rise, uh, now, God, let this not happen. <laughs> you know that it's not to say that you know that this is that they've been very careful with how they've they've staged it, and it doesn't mean they won't go back in it. I guess. All right, we're going to have to leave
1: it there. But my thanks to Patr Dubin, Alison O'Connor, and to Jennifer Whitmore. And after the break, Dublin footballer Philly McMahon on the return of J JA training, and sports psychologist Marie Trassa Nikali on why she thinks it's movement that helps mental health, not gyms. You're very welcome back. Well, GEA Senior Intercounty Teams can return to collective intercounty training from the 19th of April after approval from Cabinet today in Dublin Fuppler and owner of Beto7.ie. Fitness Philly McMahon joins me now to talk about the importance of this decision. Philly I would imagine that you would sort of welcome any loosening of the rules uh, when it comes to JAA training. Do you appreciate, though, that the government at this point felt that they couldn't go much further? It was just going to be the inter-county
4: players?
7: Yeah, well, I suppose um, the government, they're going to get it from every angle today um, with the restrictions not coming down too much. But you know, there's, there's light at the end of the tunnel for inter-county players. There's obviously disappointment from all, other aspects of sport um, and other levels of, of GAA. Um, whether it's today or, or the 19th, I'm not sure what the difference would be in terms of going back training, but, you know, we're just delighted to get the opportunity to get, get, get going again with the guys and, and get back into the training camp.
1: How difficult is it for those who play at club level?
7: Well, like it's, it's the majority of um, the membership of, of GAA is, is club level. Um, it's probably just easier to, I suppose, control the numbers at the, in the county level because they're a little bit smaller. Um, and obviously we've, we've you know, we've precedence of last year's competition as well. But it must be extremely difficult for club players because they're all, they're, they're very similar in, in that, you know, they're out training, they're out doing their bits to, you know, um, I suppose, progress their, their performances so when they're ready, when they're called upon, that they can do that. So, And it's another, I suppose, you know, when you play sport, it's a way of dealing with all the other stresses you have in life um, in terms of, you know, your mental health and, and your physical health.
1: And um, for those people who are fitness fanatics or sports fanatics but don't play and uh, there's probably very little for them today. What impact is perhaps not being able to go to the gym having on their mental
5: health?
7: Yeah, like I'm, I'm very conscious, and and uh, you know, I think th- this is this is a very real situation we're in. I, d- I don't have to explain that, but I'm very, I suppose, I have to be sensitive of the the people that unfortunately have lost their lives today and, and in in the in the past two year, a year and a half, Um and the families that have went through that pain. But there is a lot of people suffering um, from these lockdowns, and I think. For me, uh, there's reasons why things seem to be a little bit longer than they should be, or you know, there's there's other people doing, you know, getting more success from from lockdowns in this society. There's there's millionaires doing much more, much better than they, they were prior to it. There's people missing, you know, cancer check uh, checkups and stuff like that, and and the health of society is kind of affected massively from what we are doing. Um, my business alone. Uh, I've more online clients than I had before, uh, but that wasn't always my mindset. My mindset was like, you know, am I going to lose my business and I'll have to wait till I reopen it. But obviously I adapted to it. And the people that I'm generally getting from the online service point of view is people that are struggling with routine, people that are struggling with structure um, and have very little energy. So if you can imagine adults are struggling like that, what are kids going to be like right now?
1: Do you welcome then, I suppose, the fact that children will be allowed to engage in some outdoor sports? And have you noticed the lockdown having an impact on children's fitness?
7: It's very hard to say that it's impacting their fitness unless you bring them out into a pitch and see what's going on, uh, wherever sport they play. But we do know that it's definitely having an impact uh, on, on young kids. Um, every day I'm getting contacted by parents, by coaches, by schools to do talks and stuff like that. Um, but I don't really want to make this kind of a social war, but like there is, there is, um, all kids and all social classes are struggling, but especially in disadvantaged areas, like you have kids that are now more exposed than more than ever to, uh, domestic violence, domestic abuse, alcohol and drug abuse in the family homes. You know, the relationship between my community in in terms of, um, um, The education was probably not there, you know. Being exposed to all of this trauma at home, you just want to get out of house and and hang around with your friends and do things maybe that are not within the restrictions. So, it's quite difficult, and I don't think. We really, really see the impact of these lockdowns and we won't see the impact of these lockdowns until later on. Um, And I really would love the government to be a bit proactive about this and and like they have set up a a group like NEFID, why don't they set up a group that's going to look at the impacts of lockdowns after this, look at how society is going to be impacted by, uh, by these decisions they've made.
1: All right, we're going to leave it there, but lovely to talk to you as always, Philly. Thanks very much. Well, sports broadcaster and sports psychologist marie Theresa Nee Kelly joins me now here in studio. You're very welcome to the programme. You've said that the whole argument around GAA and sports and mental health has been completely weaponised. What do you mean by that?
8: I mean this in the best possible way. Sport is really important. I think Philly there has really explained to us how important it is. It doesn't matter how fit you are, it doesn't matter if we don't have all Ireland medals like Philly. It doesn't matter if it's just to go outside for a bit of fresh air. And um, I, I do feel though sometimes though there's a lot of people and they are well meaning because they understand the message took a long, long time to get through, generations to get through for us, you know, that sport, you know, we need to be active to be healthy. It's good more importantly, it's good for our mind. And That took a long time for everybody to get on board with. And we finally got there. And all of a sudden, then a lot of it was taken away from us in the form of organised sport, in the form of matches, football, all that kind of thing, gyms, all that thing was taken away from us very quickly. And people began to miss it. But all of a sudden, then people, there was a significant, loud, vocal cohort of people who were screaming, what about mental health? We need to open up these places for mental health. We need gyms. We need sport. Kids need it. Kids need to be outside. And all that's true to a point I do genuinely feel there are some people in particular, there are in particular some people who are pushing an agenda which is I really need to open my gym. I'm not accusing Philly of this in any way, shape or form. But in general, you know, I need to open my gym. I need to get my children out playing sport. We need all this to happen for mental health. And the thing is, your mental health does not need a gym. It's a nice to have. Gyms do not cure mental health disorders They help, but what cures mental health disorder, if you're at that point, is both psychological care, psychiatric care if you need it, and self-care. What we all need is movement. And this is speaking very generally in broad strokes. Obviously you can't speak about individuals in a case like this, but what we need is movement. What we need, it's been proven, 10 minutes outside, that's enough to give you a mental health boost. The gyms are nice to have, but you can get the same effect mentally, in your sitting room with a bottle of water. But if says, look,
1: some people need the routine of it. They he's need right. the structure of it, yeah, of right. organized sports.
8: We do need the structure, but again, we just have to adapt and we have to remember that, you know, we're in a pandemic and, you know, COVID is going to COVID. It doesn't matter what it is, we what we'd like to do. It doesn't matter how we feel, how sad we are, how happy we are. COVID is going to do its thing until we find a way to get rid of it. And we're thankfully on the way. We all need routine. You're right. He's right. We do need routine. What we have to do is alter it to find it in a way that suits us. That means making sure you get up at the right time every day, making sure you get outside every day, doing your best to maintain whatever kind of social contact we're allowed to have without breaking regulations. Mm. That's what we have to do. And it's not easy. And some of us are finding it easier than others, for sure. So Some people are really struggling with that, absolutely, and I don't want to diminish that. Some people are actually finding the last year helpful to them, people who have anxiety and things like that. This is stuff I've seen. Um,
1: Can I ask you what you make of the criticisms today that sort of inter-county elite GAA is being allowed to resume training, but the more amateur GAA clubs, which is the majority of the membership, isn't at this point?
8: Hey, look, in a few weeks' time, everyone under 18 is going to get to go out playing Gaelic games, and to me... That is what the GA is about and everyone has been screaming the kids need this and they do. They are the biggest cohort. Clubs are huge, yes, but under 18s down, they are the most important ones. I think the children are the ones who've been affected most in this pandemic. We've seen today uh, Dr. Neve Lynch down in Cork trying to campaign to get people to be able to buy shoes for children because they're growing. Children being left behind emotionally, psychologically, educationally and sporting-wise as well. And the thing is, this is our fault. The kids weren't the ones who all flew home to Ireland for Christmas. The kids weren't the ones who went to Christmas dinner. The children are out of school for the last two months for most of it because of adults behaving so we when we're talking about children we need to think about them and I think this is a great first step we're getting the under 18s back and we're getting the elites back and in a few weeks and month's time hopefully if the numbers keep going down we all getting those vaccines in our arms mm-hmm. the clubs will be back it's just patience
1: um, Very quickly um, the government's decision to open some distance sports golf, tennis do you welcome that?
8: I welcome everything that's possible um, I think again the big issue is and we've seen this we've let ourselves down the sports themselves are great but it's our behaviour beforehand and afterwards that cause a trouble. So we need to be grown-ups and look at ourselves and say, you know what, we all want nice things. We've got to do the thing that helps us to keep those nice things going. And all those things helps. And the thing is, just remember, mental health is really important. Okay. There's help out there. Go look for it if you need it. But if you don't need it, just go outside, enjoy what you can. And things are going to come back more and more.
1: All right. Uh, we thank you for coming into us and speaking to us tonight. We're going to have to leave it there. But my thanks to all of um, my guests. Now, coming up after uh, the Tonight Show, the inaugural RTS Ireland Television Awards, Are next featuring the very best of Irish television over the past 12 months. Matt Cooper will be here tomorrow night at 10 pm. But until then, good night and please do stay safe.
3: This is a Virgin Media Originals podcast
0: series.